Testament book of Romans is a masterpiece of the Christian faith. Written to the new believers in first century Rome, it continues to speak to believers today. More than that, it is God's revealed truth to the world of his love for mankind and his plan to bring spiritual renewal to the world. It's heady stuff, this letter. Peace with God through faith. Struggling in the tension of doing things my way or God's way. The faithfulness of God and his incredible love for every one of us. God's love can be overwhelming. This learning to live in the freedom of God's grace. That's why we have titled this eight-week series, Drinking from Fire Hydrants, Renewed by Overwhelming Grace. Listen as Pastor Ron shares from the inspired words of the great teacher Paul from Romans, chapters 5 through 8, on God's overwhelming grace. Good morning, church family. It is good to see you. Welcome. If you're new with us, uh, just really grateful that you would take the risk and come. This is a place that's filled with people who have discovered life in Jesus. And um, really, it's made a profound difference in us. And we would love for you to discover that same difference and to enjoy it. And we always take time to spend praising God. So if that was the first time for you and maybe a long time, it's what you were designed to do and created by God to do, to, to lift out your praise. And, I, and if that seemed a little odd to you, um, get over yourself and uh, just join in because it's, it's what we're called to do. And we do that for those of us who are following Jesus out of just profound love and respect for what he's done for us and gratitude. And I hope that you can get to that place where you are just really overflowing with gratitude for what God has done for you. And if you aren't there yet, you need to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And as you go there, this is the last in the series in Romans. So we're stopping Romans um, just at his crescendos here in Romans chapter 8, the last. And then we're going to take a pause and we'll get back to Romans next year. And next week, we're starting a brand new series. This year is about this element in our life that God wants to do. He wants to bring us first into relationship as we make a commitment by faith to him and become his child. And as we do that, he starts working on us. At the instant we place our faith in Jesus, he makes us new. But he is making us new. It's still a process. Look around you for those people who are following Jesus and you'll say, yep, it's still a process. There's, God's still got stuff to do on that person, on me personally. He's still got stuff to do. He's making us new. And in that regard, This year is all about discovering that, how God does that. This series that's coming up starting next week just digs at some of those places in our life that are broken and wrecked and and God needs to address in us. Just a few of them we've highlighted. And we've had about 30 people in our fellowship write some devotionals. It's a daily devotional we want to let you have the opportunity to dig into. It's called Made New. Here it is right here. And in the, um, in the devotional, it'll take a piece uh, uh, for a week. It'll talk about a piece that's broken in us and how God addressed that through an individual specifically in, in the Bible and how that person you know, was addressed by God and worked through the brokenness in their life. It talks about some scriptures that are you know, encouraging us. 
every week has got a, a memory verse for us to sink in our brain and in our heart for us to dwell on. So it gives you that same verse every day of the devotional. And this last, this is about, a, this is seven weeks. So it's a daily devotional that covers seven weeks. And I encourage you to pick up your piece. So we'll have a sermon series and we have this daily devotional and a lot of our life groups are going through this material. So you can pick it up right afterwards at the gazebo, which is straight through these doors on the patio. And um, it costs us about $10 to, well, just really close to $10, right, Fred, within pennies, um, to, to produce this. So if you would give us a donation of 10 bucks, that'd be great as you pick it up. Or if you want to um, get yours and buy a couple for other friends and people, get them in there. Maybe there's people in our fellowship that can't afford it. If you go over there and you can't afford it, just let us know. We'll be happy to give it to you anyway because we just want it in your hands, okay? So don't be shy or don't be, you know, humiliated. This is a church that is passionate about you growing in Jesus. And we want to make that um, every way possible to do that. So you can pick up your free copy or pick up your $10 copy. Um, that would be great. Have made new. So that's right afterwards, and you can find it. And it really is great. I, um, afterwards, Sue Edstrom came up and said, hey, we've got a couple that already started in it. They cheated. They started last week. The Jim and Janet Jones, some of you know them. And um, they thought... That is fantastic. That's great. I didn't know, you know people in our fellowship could write so well. And it's really true. We've got some really gifted people who wrote in this devotional. So I think it'll be um, a great encouragement to you. Talking about encouragements. What if um, you had your cell phone with you and you, you were smart? You, you turned it on to vibrate, right? But, so it didn't all of a sudden you know, do something obnoxious in the middle of church service which happens occasionally around here, and we give you a lot of grace, so don't sweat that, but um, you had it on vibrate, and you got this text, and you thought, well, you know, Ron's not really into his message quite yet, and he hasn't said anything profound, so I'm, maybe I should just get that text really quick, because I've been expecting some news, you know, and then you kind of look around, you know, slightly, can I just pull that thing out and not have my wife, like, beat me over the head with a Bible or something, so yeah, so I pull it out, and you take a quick look, and it's the greatest news you can imagine. You, just, you look there and you, and you look back and you read that text and you're like, whoa, what would, what would that be? Would you tell a person around you, what would that be? What would the news look like that would get your heart racing a little bit and would like, wow, put a big smile on your face? What, what would you get in a text that would make you respond that way? Go, go, just talk. This is interactive, so just talk for a second if you would. I want to know what he just said. I just told him, Jeff, what did you say? I want to know what you said. <laughs> After the first service, I would just, I, I went up to a few people, wanted to know what, okay, what did you just say? Because, you know, someone next to you just lit up like that was a great response. Here's the text that God is sending us this morning that is just staggeringly great news. It's way better than your imaginary text. Whatever you might have thought of, uh, it, this is just, just such great news. It happens at the end of Romans chapter 8. So all of Romans has been kind of leading up to this in a big crescendo. This is the big moment. Romans chapter 8, at the very end of it, starting in verse 31, I'm going to read verses 31 to 38. If you've got a Bible, you can read along with us. 
got on a phone or whatever, there's some Bibles provided in front of you. Romans chapter 8. And by the way, I don't want to put anybody in a spot. What's, what page is that on in the 944? 944 in the Bible in front of you if you don't have it. Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Anything. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's like a chill moment, right, in the, in the scripture where you all of a sudden you hear this powerful truth, God speaking to your heart. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I told the first service, I, you get to this point, and I feel like I should just close the service right there, right? What could I possibly say to add to that? So, if you didn't hear it clearly, I want you to hear something deeply inside. God is for you. I don't know where you were this week. I don't know what your emotions were doing as they went up and down, around, circumstances happened. You got busy and maybe the Lord got crowded out of your life, you felt like, or maybe you got alone and you felt like didn't hear him, didn't even know if he existed. I don't know what personally you're going through physically or relationally. Hear this. God is for you. He's not here to condemn you. He's not here to pile guilt and shame on your brokenness. He's here to redeem that, to make you new. God, the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, is for you. The Lord God, who has known you from the very beginning, 
of your creation and your existence is for you. God who has all power and all knowledge, who is sovereign, who is king of heaven, God is for you. There might be all kinds of things that stand against you, obstacles and struggles. Who's for you? All kinds of people might bail on you. You might feel like you're alone. God is for you. So Romans 8, 31 begins this way. What shall we say to these things? There's a lot of ways to take that phrase, God is for us. Some people doubt it. You might doubt the existence of God because of circumstances that are really hard that you've walked through and you've you felt like God did not answer all your prayers in the moment or like you wanted them answered. You might have had struggles in your life physically and felt like, why does God even care? I don't even know. It could be circumstances that have led you to question whether God is for you. And some of you might have taken it this way. You might have thought, yeah, God's for me, of course. Of course he's for me because I'm great. Right? I, I'm near perfect. Why shouldn't God be in my corner? Of course he is. You've got this narcissistic thing going on, like the universe revolves around you. You've got a childlike view of yourself. Like Kids do that. This is adult church, where we get honest. The universe does not revolve around you, men and women, even though we often behave that way. We behave that way with our finances. We behave that way with our sexuality. We behave that way in so many ways. The universe does not revolve around you. It revolves around God. Regardless of what other people say and other cultures teach, regardless of whatever, the universe revolves around the Lord God of heaven and earth. It all revolves around him. And that God is for you. How good is that? It's fantastic news. So he starts by saying, what then shall we say to these things? And what are these things? Every time you see a kind of phrase that's a question, it leads you to ask about the context. And when we study God's word, the context is very important for us. So what are these things? Well, he's been talking all of through Romans about a number of things. First, about your absolute desperation, your condition before God as a sinner, someone who has violated God's commands, who is unholy and not perfect, and you can't measure up to God's standards. You are wrecked, the Bible says. There's nothing you can do about it. But there is something that God did because of his great love for you. He sent his very own son so that you might experience redemption, that your price of shame and guilt would be paid for freely by him out of his deep love for you and for me. And he would offer you relationship at just the right time, Romans says. Christ died for you. He died for you in time and space and history. And then he rose again to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loved you. And yet, even though that happens, we respond in twisted ways sometimes to God's great grace. Romans 6 begins, should we then, just to demonstrate how grace-filled God is, just do our own thing? And God's word says, no, that's not the point of it. 
The point of it is so that you would live for me. So that you would live for me. And then in Romans chapter 7, it talks about how difficult that is. Because I've still got this sin junk inside of me that calls me one direction. And God calling me by his spirit in another direction to follow him. And there at war, there's this battle. But God steps into the middle of that battle and he does not point the finger of condemnation because Romans 8 begins by there is no condemnation for those who are in. You know it, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of what he has done for you. Because he is not just like your earthly dad. That's not who God is. God is God. And he loves you with an unbreakable, unmatched love. And Romans 8 continues to talk to a people that were persecuted and suffering, and it speaks into suffering. Even when I'm in the midst of suffering, the Spirit is on my side, and Jesus is on my side. God is for us. What are these things? These things, my failure and the condemnation these things, the redemption that God has worked on my behalf, these things, my wrestling with sin and suffering, these things, God choosing me, electing me to have relationship with himself and calling me. And perhaps you came this morning and you have yet to turn to God. You've, you've yet to own that you are broken and wrecked and a sinner before God. And you just need him. The call of scripture is to place your faith in him Confess your sin to him. Turn to him and place your faith in what Jesus has done and you'll be made new. And there'll be no shame or guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who have made that step. So turn there. What are these things? And yet my feelings, they, they lead me astray sometimes. I feel like God is distant. I feel like God can't hear me. I feel like, is God really truly for me? What does scripture say? Look on this video just to find the encouragement of what Scripture says. Now, all of those truths come to us straight out of God's Word to us, His text to us this morning out of Romans chapter 8. Where do they lead? Where does all that great truth that you just saw on the screen lead us to? It leads to this statement that Paul makes that I've been repeating this morning, that God is for us. In our life group a um, week or so ago, we were uh, sitting around a room and um, someone asked us a question. The question we were pondering was, um, what were our dreams quite a few years ago? Uh, for some of us who were a little older, it was like 30 years ago. What were we dreaming about? For some of you in the room, it might be, what were your dreams 15 years ago or five years ago? The things you were aspiring to. And we were sharing that around the, you know, around the room about, you know, what were we really thinking about all those years ago? What we really would love to see happen in our lives. And as I was listening to the, everyone kind of share their story, something remarkably, remarkable happened. I was thinking, wow, God exceeded so much our dreams for our own lives. I mean, we had these petty dreams of small things, and God was crafting crazy things beyond our expectation, things of eternal worth and value in us and through us. And it was like, I stood back, I was so grateful about 
this fact that I hadn't, I don't always capture in my mind, I don't always think about it, about how powerful it is all the way through my life, him demonstrating that he's for me. Ron, I'm for you. How'd you miss that this week? Did you get too busy? Were there other things that were like crowding into your life or overwhelming you and you forgot the fact that's fundamental to your existence and to your joy that I'm for you? How sweet is that good news? See, God's dreams and expectations they, for me, they, they far surpass my own. They far surpass it, and he demonstrates it all the time that he's for me. So Paul is writing this letter. It's letters to people who had endured and would endure great persecution and hardship and suffering. And he says to them, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's a fantastic question. We get overwhelmed by petty things. We see the little giant in front of us, and we don't realize the great giant behind us. If God is really truly for us, who can be against? What obstacle? What opponent? But how do I know? How do I really know that God is for me? Besides just the anecdotal stuff that happens occasionally, I look and say, oh, that must have been a blessing. How do I really truly know that God is for us? And that's the next verse. Verse 32. He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all thanks? That God did not spare his own son for you. I think at times that I'm a decent dad. I can remember the time where I first got my oldest, Josh, and he was just like little tiny squirmy thing, you know, sitting in the first time in my arms. Dads, you remember that time, some of you, that uh, the first time you, you held them? Or guys, can you imagine that time? Women, can you ma- remember the first time finally you, you got to hold your little one? And you thought about that, how how um, some things happen inside your heart like that maybe that you weren't even expecting. For me, this just rush of emotion and you know, affection. And then the thought, how in the world am I ever going to be? You know, this is a lot of responsibility, right? And um, wow, I'm, you just feel overwhelmed with the moment. And, and sometimes we look at ourselves and view God as if he is just like that, just like us but it's so much richer and deeper with God because God doesn't have the same questions of, yeah, what it, what's going to happen when I fail my kid, when I yell at them or I discipline them in the wrong way or when I'm impatient? What, what happens when they start imitating the phrases that I use that aren't really the phrases I want them to use or start doing things like me that I wish they would have never done? But that's not how God is. His love is just, it is perfect and enduring for me and for you. It's different. It's, it's powerful. So Paul points them to the Father's love, demonstrated in human time and space and history by the giving of his own son, Jesus Christ, to come here and to express his love toward us when we are still sinners, to bring us to relationship and give his own life for us. 
So he points us to that so that we would know that God is for us. Our circumstances, our emotions, our view of God can all mess in a serious way with our confidence that God is for us. Circumstances, can we can get busy or they can be overwhelming to us and we'll start to question whether God really is for us and in our corner. It doesn't feel like it in the moment sometimes. And our emotions, not always reliable, are they? They're healthy and they're God-given. That's, I'm, not, I'm not disregarding your emotions. But they can't be really the thing that you stick your foundation on, right? How do you really know? You know because God has demonstrated his love toward you. And he's proved it through Jesus Christ, his son. That's what Paul is saying here. There's really four powerful truths that he points us to. First, that his own son died for us. This is verse 34. And not only that, it says, more than that, who was raised, that he he proved himself with an empty tomb, his power, and that he's for you, and that he, he has the power to be for you in any circumstance of life, whatever is happening, whatever seems crushing to you. And who is at the right hand? He actually ascended to God in front of witnesses. And who is indeed interceding for us? Now, Paul has already said that the Spirit of God is interceding for those who are his. When we get to a point in our prayer life where we just don't even know what to say, he prays it out. But here it says, not only that, but Jesus himself, who is at the right hand of the Father, intercedes for us. He is our mediator. He goes before us. Because God is for you. That's why he does these things. Who accuses you? Who condemns you? Dear friend, if if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, no one is the answer. He has taken your sin, your wreckage, your separation from God, and he said, hey, Greg, I love you. Yeah, Rick. Yeah. That's what he said, and there is no condemnation. There is no separation. Jesus stands with you in this moment. Could the worst things imaginable or real separate you from God? Whatever your fears might be, whatever those powers you feel like they are against you, could that separate you from God? Well, according to the next verse, verse 35, no. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, these people were suffering real tribulation in their life, or distress, that is being emotionally overwhelmed in a moment, shall persecution or famine, I have nothing to eat, or nakedness, I've got nothing, my bank account is empty, I don't even have clothes to wear, or danger, or the sword, that is someone actually killing me. Can any of those things separate us from the love of Christ? Paul is asking. Why are you overwhelmed? Why are you doubting? There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Listen, the evil one has an agenda for you. He's got two things on his mind. First, to steal the glory of God, to do whatever he can by whatever means to keep you from understanding how great and awesome and majestic and powerful the Lord God of heaven and earth is. 
That's his agenda. So he will steer you sideways in whatever way he can. He will seek to diminish the glory of God in your eyes so you don't understand who God is. And the second thing he will do is attempt to separate you from God's love. He cannot do it, but he will try. Listen, men and women, God is for you and there is nothing that can break that. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And then... Paul continues and he throws this interesting quote from Psalm 44 in. And it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Psalm 44 is a psalm where the psalmist is wrestling with feelings of abandonment, like God has left him. Like he's walked away and he's wondering, God, where are you? Why did you do this? I, I love the Psalms when they get honest like this, right? That, that just expressing poetically, how, how did I come to this place and where did you leave me? When did this happen in my life? And at the end of the Psalm, the psalmist writes back about a call for God's steadfast love. And that's why Paul uses this. What is it, even when you feel isolated and separated and alone, that can separate you from the love of God? Is there anything? When people at school call you names, people at work seek to undercut you, when your relationships are struggling, when whatever happens rips apart your life, can any of that separate you from the love of God? No. Paul says, verse 37, in all these things, all of life's circumstances, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not through our own strength, not through all our intelligence or good looks, but through him who has loved us. That's why we're conquerors, because nothing and no one is stronger than God. So you are more than conquerors, more than strong enough to face up to the circumstance you're presently going through. You are more than conquerors through him who has loved you and he keeps loving you and nothing can separate you from that love, right? For I am sure, Paul writes, and then he gives us a list. It's a list of fears, a list of things that can overwhelm us, that we can struggle with. Death. Number one fear for a lot of people, especially those of us who are aging a bit. <laughs> can death separate you? Can the worst you can imagine? If you all of a sudden were walking to your car and you had a heart attack and you died, would that separate you from the love of God? Can life, can the circumstances that you're in the middle of, all the crazy harried stuff that happens, can, can the worst that life can throw at you separate you from the love of God? Can life separate you? Can spiritual beings with all kinds of powers that are greater than yours, angels, separate you? Can the greatest of governments, we have, we're living in the one superpower of all the world. Could the government of the United States with all its mind power separate you from the love of God? nor things present right here, whatever circumstance you're in the thick of, nor things that you're worrying about tomorrow, things in the future, nor powers anything with any kind of strength that you fear. 
any height, any success you rise to, or any depth, any depression, or struggle, or pain, or disillusionment? Could any of that separate you? Or anything else in all creation? Could any, whatever, alien, Borg, whatever, could anything separate you from, from the love of God? Listen, will any, be, any of that be able to separate us from the love of God? And here's the key, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ who is the promised one, the Messiah, sent for you. Jesus, it's only his name means he saves. God rescues, he saves you, he brings you into relationship with himself with an, with an undiminished, inseparable love. This one. Oh, did you get that text of good news? Yeah. 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 This is the one who stands with you and stands for you. This is the one. Our Lord, Master. So if you came here and you were wondering, don't wonder anymore. Have great confidence that God is for you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you're still living your life separated from him, and you haven't humbled yourself and said and owned it, your own junk, your own sin, and just confessed it before God, said, that's me, I, wanna, I don't want to have my confidence in myself but I want to place my confidence, my faith in you. Trust what you have done. At that moment, you become new in him, his child, his loved one, and nothing can separate that love this moment on. If that describes you, I'm going to give you a moment in just a second just to pray out a prayer to God. And then I'm going to ask you, as we have a song right afterwards, to just come, come forward, and we'll have conversation with you. Don't be freaked out by that. Just be bold and calm because you want to experience the God's love for you. And there will be people here that would love to have conversation with you. If you want to discover the love of God personally right now, you can do it. And it would be, be the best thing you could possibly ever do. And if you are a follower of Jesus right now, but you have been not living with the boldness that that phrase invests in you, that God is for you, that you are more than conquerors. And let me just challenge you to live bravely this week and to let other people know about the love of God, to bravely tell other people about the love of God this week. That get over those things, those fears that are in your life right now and to live wholly for him. Now I'm going to invite you to turn to prayer just honest conversation with you and God. So would you do that right now? Just you and the Lord, honestly, having a conversation. He loves to listen. He loves for you to respond. Pray with me, would you please? And if you are just stepping into a relationship with God, and you just want to make sure that you are his and you can fully enjoy this love we've been talking about, just simply say it out in your heart in your own language. Oh God, I need you. And I just, I'm getting real before you. I just confess that, that I do have sin in my life that 
that you've paid for. I, I don't want to live in condemnation. I want to be yours, free of guilt and shame of my past. I just want to be yours. I want to live for you. Here's my life. When you pray that out, God's word says that he has now made you new. You're his child. This is chosen one. And nothing will separate you from God's love. And if you're, if you're a believer, just thank God that he's for you. Whatever words, expression you want to say, just, oh God, thank you. In a moment, we're going to, I'm going to just sing that out as praise, as worship, that call out God to do a work in us and just thank you for his love for us. But if you have uh, placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, we would sure love to talk with you. And you can just come up during the song. We're right here. There's people will be right here. Love to talk with you and pray with you. And um, if you want to talk with someone right afterwards, we're going to be hanging out here. So have a spiritual conversation with us. We'd love to do that. Let's, the rest of us, stand right now, all of us, if we could, and worship God. And as we do, I just want to, just want to say this. There was a moment I know in my great friend Fred's life where this happened to him. He just felt God saying, you need to get up here. And uh, feeling like, and nothing could stop him from that. And it changed, man, it changed all of him. And if God has been speaking right now, you just need to come and be bold. If you need us to pray for something else, that's okay. Come and let's, let's pray together. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.